0: Here by the Owl Podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki fiddle Dahl and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time.
1: Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl Podcast. We're excited tonight to have Keegan with us to talk about her really cool um, board game spin uh, on a pretty popular board game that she did in her classroom. So before we get into it, Keegan, why don't you start by introducing yourself, letting our listeners know um, a little bit about where you teach um, and the background of your teaching. For sure.
2: So I currently teach in Louisville ISD. Our campus is Tech West, so it's a career center, and all of our ag is kind of central to that building. I am going on my third year teaching, so this next year will be my fourth. Um, Our program has about 300 kids in it, and the active from that kind of differs, so we've got about 17 that are in the horticulture program. Uh, Plantopoly was kind of created as an idea from one of my co-teachers. He was doing it as a review for their Elanco animal science review and then kind of just to sum out their semesters and everything like that. So he's the one that actually brought the project idea to my classroom. From that, we kind of just grouped out and they kind of went on their own spins on it. One game that we constantly referred to, though, was Monopoly. I actually have a spin on it in my classroom called Farmopoly for my animal science kids. So, yeah, my Hort kids kind of just grouped up. The three that actually made this board are my greenhouse managers, so they are a second year class in that Hort pathway, and yeah, they just kind of creatively ran with it, so we were really blown away with the detail they put into it and how broad of a scale the horticultural realm was hit in it as well, so... We just wanted it to be a resource a lot of people could use
1: yeah well i had seen it on agate discussion lab i mean along with i feel like everyone else because everyone was commenting and um, like i tagged nikki in it right away i just thought it was so cool um because when i was in the classroom i loved using games and um, i just thought like what a fun way especially at the end of the year to like engage students so um you said it was like in your horticulture class. So how was it kind of set up? Like what can people expect if they were going to go ahead and play that with their students?
2: So the way that we specifically utilized it and kind of our spin on that project was we do the BASF um, plant science certification in our class. And all of my levels of horticulture will get that certification. So when we assigned it, we are about to test next week and we wanted a resource that wasn't just kind of going through cahoots and booklets, my kids were kind of over that. And I feel like at this point, especially post COVID, a lot of classrooms use that resource, which perfectly fine, my kids just wanted a different spin. So really when they ran for it, um, we took the content that's kind of all throughout the BASF modules and the quizzes that are throughout them. And they kind of just pulled at what they felt they struggled on the most. Um, A lot of that test is composed of plant genetics and water resources, which is something that Is not very entertaining, I feel like, for a lot of high school students to sit through lectures for, so we just wanted a way that they would be learning that information on a repetitive basis without feeling like they were just reading point after point and memorizing word after word. So that's kind of how they spun with it. Um, On Plantopoly specifically, you'll notice there is E, E1, H, and H2, I believe on the cards and those are the levels of difficulty as it goes through the review so it kind of prepares them on a broad scale and especially teachers that want to take that resource and that's why i love that it's editable you can really change it to whatever your content is on those question cards and really suit it to your needs whether it be plant science or animal science ag mech
0: so yeah so did the students The students created all of the questions and the different elements of the game, or did you give them some of those things? So basically, they I have to give
2: credit, they created 99.9% of it. The guidelines that they had to go on were four different sections in their game. Um, They had to have a start and a finish. They had to have a dice and characters and whatnot, just your basic elements to make a game functional. And then from that, they kind of built in all of the extra and really hit points that we're still in the rubric, which the rubrics uploaded with the materials as well, but kind of expanding on that to still feel like you weren't playing the repetitive game that everyone else had
1: built. So so do you feel like this is mostly like a review type game or could it be at the beginning of a unit? Like, how do you kind of envision it um, working for other people?
2: I feel like it works the best as a review. I feel like, especially if you are working to getting terminology in and things like that, things, especially in a principal's class, it would be very useful. Um, We just kind of use it fitting for an overall review, just because I feel like anybody that's looked into this BASF certification, there is a lot of content within that module system, which is great, but it's hard to sum all of that up in a nice, neat way without it being a 170 page packet. So I don't know. I feel like it truly works the best utilized as a review, but genuinely could be fit to however you needed it to fit.
0: So you mentioned that it was modifiable. So if if a classroom wasn't using this BASF um, curriculum or certification, do you feel like any classroom could just modify this to remove those items so it would still... Um, match the horticulture concepts that they're they're trying to implement
2: I say yes um so I've used Canva for about four years so it's pretty user-friendly to me um but I think even as you go through here the boxes that are super editable highlight immediately the game cards will edit we have our setup to where no matter who is playing you have an opposite kid reading the question card and they can see the answer Um, So it stays kind of anonymous to who's reading it, but just going through there and editing whatever text you would want would be absolutely super easy, um, especially as it makes your own copy of them. So you don't have to worry about the originals getting swiped or anything. But even the places that we put on there, we just kind of did a broad scale on horticulture environments. And even if you were using this for animal science, that could easily be switched to breeds. Um, If you wanted to do AgMEC, tool spaces would work very, very beautifully. Even entomology, you could switch to bugs. Like, I feel like it's just a very fitting piece to use. And I feel like if you want to keep the concepts with the money and the cards, leave those there, change your info, and just run with it with the same
1: instructions, so. So as as you have your students, like, move through it and they're landing on the different spaces, Do they have to answer questions to be able to like win that space or how does that work?
2: Kind of, yes and no. So when they go around and play, they have the option to buy the space they land on. And then you'll notice if you look at the inside of the board, there are four main areas. Um, Let me pull up what they've named them. (laughs) Hold on one second. They basically, with their game, they had to have the four different areas on the board. So how they incorporated that into Monopoly was... If you start at the ghost space, you're going to see the border starts with like Monstera and Philo type plants. That is Tropic City. And basically, as you land, you have that chance to buy the property. But Tropic City would be your E1 level. So your easiest difficulty of questions. So if you deny or purchase your space, works perfectly well. But before your turn ends, you get asked a question. And that's basically where you gamble your money as well, which is why I think this game is super interesting. Your kids that want to be involved and want to win are going to go and study and memorize these questions like no other because it's got that risk at every single turn. Um, If you keep going past Tropic City, you're gonna find Flowerville and it's where all of their flowers are on the board. Um, That one puts you into the E2 difficulty, which is the medium and your gamble bet goes up to 150 to 200, I believe. Um, So it just kind of goes up with that. You've got Succulent Valley and then Houseplant Haven And it's the same thing out of there as well. Um, You have that chance to buy and then you still go with your questions. So and then they kind of spun the housing. So I know that on normal Monopoly, you can buy houses and that's how you basically increase that rent. They switched that. We still use the pieces from a regular Monopoly board that we had in my room, but they just switched it to greenhouses and nurseries. So (laughs) you can buy a greenhouse on your property. And again, that affects it. Um, Other things that they changed on ours to make it a little bit more personal. Normally, Monopoly has your railroad spaces. We changed ours to local nursery operations. So Bremley Gardens, Hebron Gardens, Tech West is our greenhouse. And then there's a fourth one on there as well. We wanted something that was still going to tie in our local businesses and still have that hit to home with it. We also have Shelby's room. Shelby is one of our base aides on our campus. My kids absolutely adore her. So she is our free parking space. Um, And then our chance cards are just kind of funny ones with the bankruptcy and the Achilles in a bad mood. That's what they call me. So it's a very good time. (laughs) But yeah, so super editable and super easy to make very personal to your area, but still have kind of a different spin on just that typical game. So.
0: So how long did you have the students play the game? And how many students were playing on the same board? So they have it to where you can play
2: with five players. So we kind of max out at that. And that has been what has been humbling to me as a teacher. We have been playing this for probably, oh goodness, when did I even post it? Almost a week. I feel like every day we come in, we'll hit a little bit of a normal review and we'll play like GimKit. And it's immediately, can we break the game boards back out? So they have just been super enjoying having that opportunity to rotate out and get new team players in there. So I don't know. It's been very, very humbling to watch them want to review for this.
1: So I guess that was kind of my next question, too, was like, what do your students think about it? Are they pretty excited about getting to play the game and um, like what's been there? Thoughts
2: oh, on it. For sure. it. It's been super funny just to think back from like day one of when they turned it in. We first tried to print this board at a Walmart. Um, and Walmart gave them like a five by eight, which <laughs> you could not read anything on there. So we basically kind of switched that. We are blessed to have a, a printer poster maker at our school. So we just went ahead and printed it at the school and got it like thick laminated, and it worked so much better that way just to have it kind of pressed in nice. So Even if you lay their original board down and look at it to the finish that we have now, which was the photo we posted, it's been amazing to watch it all come together. Um, We actually have a U.S. map right now that we've been highlighting where all we've sent it out to. Um, So they've been super into just who it's gone to, how people have reacted, the overall response, because when we originally talked about it, we knew that we wanted to post it because there's just not a lot of super great and I feel like renewed resources for plant science and that's my main pathway that I teach. And so I knew just from a teacher standpoint, we wanted it to be something that if we could share it and people did want to utilize it, of course, absolutely. But then after that first post, oh goodness, we came back to the school and I was like, guys, we've got to talk about this. So the overall response has been great. They've loved seeing how it's been played out how people have responded. They love still getting to play it and see where they need to edit pieces if it's needed. So it's been great.
0: <laughs> well, and I think it's really fun too for them to see you know, that they've created something and it still might not be perfect. And as they play it, they might think of like, oh, well, what if we did this? Or um, One of my favorite things is whenever we drop a podcast, later on seeing someone tag us, that had listened to the episode and implemented it. And that's always cool to just see like the spin that they put on it, like, you know, something that you never would have thought of, you know, they did. And that's, what's, I don't know, kind of magical about sharing um, your ideas. And I I think it's really cool that your kids are involved in that too, because just think of how many other students across the country are getting to enjoy this idea um, (laughs) that you guys created. So Talk about the supplies. So if someone wanted to, to do this in their classroom, what supplies are they going to need in order to get this started?
2: For sure. Um, so your main one is obviously a printer that you can rely on. Um, we basically just printed ours on normal printer paper for the game cards, the property cards, um, questions and everything like that um, as a normal two-sided print. So as long as you've got a printer, all of that is good. Specifically for the board, um, if you wanted to go and get it professionally printed, that's perfectly okay. We, like I said, we've got that poster printer, so it was just a lot easier for us to do it in our own convenience, but as long as you can get that printed on a large format, it works. We also conveniently had that extra Monopoly board, so we pulled a lot of our pieces from that. My students specifically custom 3D printed some specific game pieces for this one, but That one completely optional and fully functional on whatever game pieces you even want to make. Other than that, the only resources you really, really need are, hold on, I got some listed out.
0: Yeah, as you're pulling, as you're looking that up too, um, one thing to think about is like, as as it's summer, right? Mm -hmm. People are going to be holding garage sales. That's the best time to pick up old board games yeah, because then you can take the pieces, and <clears throat> if you if you um print this on, you know, someplace, you can just put it on an old board. It doesn't even have to be a monopoly board. So you have it, you know, glued onto an old board and then it looks more authentic as well. So yeah. that could be a really cheap way to start to collect the pieces that you would need for this. Oh, yes. Um, And I know one of
2: their original ideas was even just to get a foam poster board and have it glued to that originally so it would still have that durability, but they ended up scrapping. Oh my goodness, my dog is going crazy. They ended up scrapping that idea just because they couldn't get the poster board to lay as professionally as they wanted to, so... But yeah, other than the laminator and a good printer, that's really all you'd need other than the pieces. Um, as we go, we've just kind of figured out that the houses that are in an in, in original Monopoly set are the best to use as those just because they fit the squares. Um, and yeah, that's what, oh, and then dice, of course. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all you need to run it.
1: And you said you typically have like five students. So how many sets, you know, of this game do you have in your classroom?
2: So since we did the whole project as a class basis, we only have one of these currently printed because we have multiple other game sets laid out around my room currently. Um, So as many as your class would need, it's super easy to print that copy of this, just take some time to set it up and get everything cut out. We did utilize our kids like at the beginning of class just to cut out the money and all the question cards as that can get a little tedious, Um, but once everything is set up, you have that permanent set, you can just tuck away and pin, so.
0: So as we ra- wrap up here, talk about the materials that you shared with us in the show notes that people can expect to access. Okay, awesome.
2: Let me go back to mine real quick. So in that folder, basically we put Um, The resource of the rule set, which is the ones my kids made, and it kind of walks you through those four areas and how you utilize the question cards the best. Um, The next one is the board game project outline. That is the original project we gave out to our kids and kind of what they spun off of that to create this game. So if you did want to administer this before you introduced Plantopoly, just to see what your kids also make, that's a great way to get your own options as well. And then that last one says teacher notes opoly. And that one has all of the editable links as well as kind of walking you through some of our helpful tips, kind of summarized what I talked about in this a little bit. Um, and yeah, at the bottom, it also has the resources included if you wanted to run through what was included in that file. And then at the bottom, you've got ways to contact me if there are any questions throughout the usage of that game as well.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah, and I think if any of you listening choose to do this or modify it, uh, I think just tagging here by the all podcast would be really cool, so Keegan can see that, and um, and her students can start to see like you know the cool spin that people put on their game or what other cool things that they they thought of to include. So definitely check out the show notes, um, Keegan. It, is it easier for them to just go to the show notes to contact you or do you have other ways that people can reach out if they're interested in asking you questions?
2: Um, show notes would probably be the easiest. Um, y'all can also contact me on Twitter. We are tech W underscore horse. I know that's kind of weird. It's like T E C C W underscore Hort. Um, My Facebook's also pretty active with people commenting for this. So just whatever is easiest for y'all works for
0: me. So Perfect. Well, Keegan, thanks so much for um, taking the time to share um, you and your students' um, Plantopoly project uh, with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Uh, like always, um, everyone listening, make sure you like Hear By The Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Check out the show notes for all of the resources for this episode. And in the future, if um, you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to us. We'd love to have you. Thanks for listening.